Today's reading is John 20, 19 through 23. It can be found on page 1001 of the Bible's next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The word of the Lord. As we, uh, as we turn to look at this passage, I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, as we come into this room, we come from different kinds of places. And whether we feel broken today or somewhat healed, whether we are angry or happy, whether we um, see a lot of hope and promise and possibility in the world, or whether we are deeply troubled and disturbed by um, how things are a mess, either in our life or in our world. Whatever the case may be, whatever our posture is towards you this morning, maybe skeptical, maybe believing, the truth is we're all more of a mess than we care to admit. And you say that in Christ, we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. And so we realize when we listen to your gospel, we realize that we will not be able to climb up the mountain to get to you and that we will need to rely on Jesus whom you sent down to us to bring us home. And may you speak now to us in all the different places from which we come. May you speak to us through your Holy Spirit about that son, Jesus, who you have sent and whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, the question of the week from last week was, um, and we, we particularly tried to collect uh, some of the answers from our young people. Um, so, so the question was, what's the most surprising place you've been sent? What's the most surprising place you've been sent? Um, someone sent, said, sent to do my chores. Um, someone said, vice principal's office. Were you really surprised? Who, whoever said that, were you really surprised? Um, someone said, to my room. Someone said, Hawaii. Someone said, sent in the water. I mean, pushed in the water. It's starting to be summertime. We got some other folks, so those were kind of some of the young people responses. Got some cool answers from other people too. Someone said, to ha Happy Camp, California on the Klamath River, everyone in the town believes in Sasquatch. <laughs> the most surprising place. Um, somebody said, again, somebody, an adult now said, to the principal's office, but they said, what did I do? It was to welcome the new second grade students. So a lot of interesting 
answers. What, what's the most surprising place you've been sent? Do you feel sent? Do you feel sent today? It's uh, that time of year where we should, we should give like a little bit of props to those who are finishing up a school year or graduating or in some kind of transition related to school. It's that time of year, you know, maybe you're back from college or maybe you're just looking at your last week or two of school. Can we, can we just give some people some love who are either, yeah, can we, everyone? Saw, saw some people who were kind of woken up by the clapping. They're like, why are we clapping? And this is a book that sometimes gets read to people who are graduates or in some kind of transition. And they're, I don't know if you've seen this book. Oh, the places you'll go. We're talking about being sent today. Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. I'm just going to read. I won't read the whole thing. It's a bit long. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own. And you know what to do. And you are the guy you'll decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, look them over with care. About some you will say, I don't choose to go there. I should show you guys some pictures as I read this. Sorry about that. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And you may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. It's opener there in the wide open air. Out there, things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and footsy as you. And when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew. Just go right along. You'll start happening too. Oh, the places you'll go. Cool book, huh? Who's, who's read that book before? Who's seen that? Yeah. Very cool book, Dr. Seuss. We're talking about being sent today. And in the, um, on this day in the Christian calendar, Pentecost uh, brings us the events and the sensibilities of this important time in Scripture where Jesus has died on the cross unexpectedly. No one expected it. And he's risen from the dead even more unexpectedly. And now he's appearing to, his, to people who are following him and to the 12 apostles. And in this time, there's talk of the Holy Spirit. He, he, there's talk of Jesus saying, I'm going to leave you, but you will not be alone. I will be with you. And he says, I will send a counselor, a comforter, or he says, the Holy Spirit. And then he does. And so we read how that ends up happening in this time between like, you know, his resurrection and his post-ascension after he's ascended. So it's this time of what now and the Holy Spirit being unleashed, being given, being sent into the followers of Jesus is, is crucial. And there's this big message that we read in verse 21 that you can see, verse 21 of John 20 that we just, that James just read. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Oh, the places you'll go. We're being sent. And there's a part of, there's a tr there's really is a truth that if, um, if you're not awake to, or you're, not, you're not, not if, but you are not awake 
to what it means to be a Christian, if you haven't some sense of feeling a part of a sent people, if you don't have some sense in your heart of being sent, then you're not quite awake to what it fully means to be a follower of Jesus. So Pentecost is a crucial um, time to consider this. Now, this is a tiny little scripture passage. didn't take James very long to read it. And yet, there's so much in this passage that I had to, you know, slash and burn what I, had to, what I wanted to talk about today. So here's the three em little emphasis that we'll do here about you being sent. How are you sent? You are sent with Jesus' words of peace. You are sent to remake the world, and you are sent with forgiveness in your hands. So let's, let's first look at sent with Jesus' words of peace, and you see it twice in this passage. And then even after this, the next little vignette is Jesus and Thomas. It's the famous, we call it Doubting Thomas passage. And there again, you get this phrase. Jesus comes and says, peace be with you. It's the thing Jesus is saying. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Peace be with you. Being sent is scary. It should be, it, it, you should feel some sense of anxiety about what this might mean and look like, being sent. Being sent is a little bit scary. Certainly, as Jesus was talking to his close few, his close apostles, they were, they were completely um, discombobulated by the events that had happened. They had just seen the one they were following killed, uh, mercilessly, horribly killed. And so they're, you know, they've just seen things that are enough to cause post-traumatic stress disorder. And then he, then he just appears. The text emphasizes the doors were locked. But there Jesus was amidst them. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's with them. They're probably getting like some kind of excitement, but it's filled with fear and the realization that if something's going to continue with this mission of Jesus, they too might be killed. You know, there's, there's danger in this for them. So there's, they're sufficiently agitated, and Jesus comes in, and how, how it must have spoken to them, how, how they must have needed to hear, peace be with you. It makes me think, I've been reading this biography about Winston Churchill. It's about um, you know, 10,000 pages long, and I've been at it for like a year and a half um, here and there. But anyway, the, 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 it makes me think of the way Winston Churchill, as prime minister of, of Britain, how he, how he, with his words and his speeches, gave a sort of calm amidst the storm of being bombed and attacked by Nazi Germany as World War II was kind of getting into full force. And it felt like Britain against this Nazi, they called it the Nazi war machine. It just looked impossible, utterly impossible to stand up against it. In fact, Hitler thought once he got into France and took France, it was done, that, that the British would just surrender. That's what he thought. And, he, and at many times, he could have probably pretty easily crossed the channel and taken over it all, but part of because he didn't do that, they had a chance to kind of regroup and against all odds, you know, eventually wage a successful victory in World War II. So, I, you know, I digress. <laughs> but Winston Churchill's words 
um, just pierced into the sensibilities of these people who are being bombed day in and day out, just horribly bombed day in and day out, and going and living in tunnels and their children going to live in the countryside. And these were the kinds of words that he gave that were just so incredible. He would say things like this in his speeches. Remember, we shall never stop, never weary, and never give in, and that our whole people and empire have vowed themselves to the task of cleansing Europe from the Nazi pestilence and saving the world from the new dark ages. We are on this track, and so are our friends across the Atlantic Ocean. If he cannot destroy us, we will surely destroy him and his gang and all their works. Therefore, we hope, and f therefore have hope and faith, for all will come right. Words spoken to people who were deeply and sufficiently agitated by you know, the context and the situation at hand. Now, for us, being sent by God, part of me is what I, I wonder if some of us even need to become sufficiently agitated to the situation. We can feel very comfortable. We can have a Christian faith. You can even begin to coming to church and have... And, and change your belief structures and become a Christian and still have a pretty good sense of, of not being too agitated in most of your life. And I wonder if some of us might need a little bit of stirring up and agitation and a sense of what is at hand and why we need to have a sense of being sent instead of a sense of just sitting around, right? And having a nice little personal faith. You know, those, those Britons were sufficiently agitated. They couldn't help it. The bombs were dropping. The apostles couldn't help but be agitated because they just saw all these events happen around the, them. Are you sufficiently agitated to know that these words of peace are so, so needed as you go out and as you are sent? So that's the first thought. We are sent with Jesus' words of peace. We are sent also to remake the world. Remake the world. What, am, what are we talking about? Well, if you look at verse 22 in this passage... Um, Jesus comes in and says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then this, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. What? Isn't that... In, in incredible, isn't that an, an odd and, I don't know, kind of weird? You're kind of wondering, what does that mean? What's going on with that? But certainly kind of cool, right? It'd be cool to be breathed on by Jesus and him saying, here's the Holy Spirit for you. What is going on here? Um, students of the Bible for thousands of years have long noticed that John who likes to, to be kind of poetic and artful in what he's doing in his gospel, that John has, with his language here, tapped into something very ancient and something very foundational. And he has tapped into it by how he has written that, Jesus breathing on them. He has made a connection to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Doesn't that kind of dial up the coolness of this little story of Jesus 
huddling with his people and he's sending them, what is he doing? It is, it is creation 2.0. It really is. That's really what John is trying to say. That is how momentous it is that you are included in this new group that is called and sent, called to go. It is God. It is that huge. There was this time when creation was first made with all of God's wonderful intentions, and then it spoiled amidst our own human free will and decision to, that we preferred not to have God in charge. God's tenacious re-entering now through Jesus, now through the, especially through Jesus on the cross and then the empty tomb, now it's time to start again. It's time to breathe into God's people again and to begin this journey of remaking. And now we are sent as those going out and remaking creation. Isn't that cool? Isn't that heavy? The world, is the world messed up? Is it broken? It's messed up and broken. But one of the things that's true, now that Jesus, now that God has sent his own son and entered in for this renewal and remaking project, now that Jesus has died on the cross and risen from the dead, and now that we are sent out in this remaking project, guess what? We can't screw it up. God has ensured that now it is the Holy Spirit breathed into us in the power of this risen Savior who died on the cross and began the definitive renewal work of bringing humanity back together with God, we can't screw it up. Our screw-ups won't mess up the bigger process of God remaking all things. That's, that's pretty amazing. And that should give you confidence. Um... So you are sent to remake the world. You're not just sent to have a private faith, although it starts with that. It starts with you and God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But you're, you can't stay there. Now it's time to go. Remake. Creation 2.0. And then we are sent with forgiveness in our hands. So we're sent with Jesus' words of peace. We're sent to remake the world, and we're sent with forgiveness in our hands. This is the, the, the last phrase, or the last um, sentence of this, this um, passage. If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And I don't particularly like, there's different translations to the second half of this phrase, but no matter how you translate it, it's kind of confusing, and often, especially in this kind of wording, it's very troubling. We know of today there's a lot of talk about a travel ban, is this some kind of forgiveness ban, some power of forgiveness, of a forgiveness ban that Jesus is giving to, to his leaders that they can go out and kind of look at you and go, eh, no, <laughs> right? Is he, and then it's like there's something magical and mechanical about forgiveness that will not come to you. Now, I think you're probably smart enough to know that's probably not what I'm going to say is happening here. Um, if you pay close enough to all of scripture and how God's forgiveness works, you, you, should be, you should have problems with thinking that that's where this is going. Because a lot of times we have to use scripture to help interpret scripture. We have to use the bigger story to understand some of the confusing bits. And this is one of those confusing bits. So the first thing I'd say about that confusing part is that the emphasis needs to be, as distracting as that is, the emphasis needs to be on the first part of that sentence. 
If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins are forgiven. And the fact that front and central um, to the mission of being sent with God is bringing forgiveness. Okay? So bringing forgiveness. And there is no, there's no sense of you have magical powers or that these apostles had magical powers to do something that other people didn't do. It's just that you're going out and that's what you're doing. Forgiveness is at the very center of this mission. Because you're like, okay, I'm sent by God. Okay, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to help me. But to do what? To bring forgiveness. That's what Jesus was coming to do. So the Father has sent me, Jesus says, now I am sending you. So it's the same mission. So if you want to know what it looks like, read deep into all the stories where Jesus brings forgiveness to very real people. They're usually the people that everyone else is saying don't deserve it. So that's pretty cool. And there isn't any sense in Jesus' approach with people and forgiveness that there's like a forgiveness ban that's happening. Um, so we dig deep into the forgiveness stories. We go forth with forgiveness. Um, the, those, those words at the end, though, that suggest that some might not be forgiven... Forgiveness does go out for all. I think, that's, I think there's something for sure. I don't know what all this, that little bit means. But for sure, sometimes you have to say, what is for sure going on there? What do we know at the very minimal of what's in bringing up that about some not being forgiven? I would just say that, um, that Jesus is about to send out these people into weighty situations and to run into all kinds of people. And he's sending them out not into the naivete that it's going to be everyone always singing kumbaya and saying thank you for coming to me with this message. There's a sense in which as these disciples go out and as the church has gone out for 2,000 years with the message of forgiveness, as you are sent, that there is, um, there's often, uh, you're often not met with gratitude. But even more than that, there's often people in the community, in the forgiveness of community, in the forgiveness community, who are not into this mission of forgiveness. And so it's sort of like, you know, it can end up being like, well, why are you even here? But this happens. Leaders in churches run into troubling situations where there's, as Jesus put it, wolves in sheep's clothing, or there's just um, people with ulterior motives or creating a lot of division that's unhelpful to the mission of forgiveness going forward. And, and, and you can realize as a leader, you get to a point you realize they're not even really about this mission of bringing forgiveness to new people. They're not looking to be forgiven themselves. They're not. So there's a way that leaders have to sometimes enter into these really tough conversations. And sometimes the final word of that conversation is not forgiveness. There are certain days and times in church communities where just the reality is to not be naive and to know that some people aren't looking for forgiveness and grace. And so that won't be the word of the day in some circumstances. That does end up playing out. You can see if you read on into the book of Acts and see how these apostles of Jesus, um, how the kind of situations they got into. And you see that's definitely true. So that's what I would say about that little tricky spot in but the main takeaway, I would say, is that we go forth with forgiveness in our hands. We are a forgiveness people. That's what we major in. And we take that forgiveness with us as dispensers of this forgiveness. You think about it that way. I think of how, I think of like you go into a bathroom, maybe a public restroom, and you're so thankful when you push that little button on the dispenser that something comes out of it, you know? There's certain messy situations in life, and you really need that dispenser to work. It's similar with the church being sent out into mission. There's a lot of messy situations in life. 
and you're really thankful that there's a church, that there's a group of forgiveness people at the ready dispensing this forgiveness readily. Come, receive. It's what this table is about, and you'll have a chance to come forward in a little bit in our service. Come forward. We're dispensing freely of forgiveness. Let us pray. Almighty God, on this Pentecost day, you opened the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit. Shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel, that it may reach to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.